Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are watching the 2012 Disney classic, Wreck-It Ralph, because Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, is coming out soon. So this is a perfect time to revisit this film from six years ago. 2012 was six years ago, and that's ever so slightly scary. Uh, joining me to review Wreck-It Ralph, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and somebody who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's David Cox. Hello, it's me. How you doing, David? I'm good. I'm busy. You're busy. What are you busy with, David? Ah, uh, just, you know, life. As an adult, you know, who runs his own business, I'm just always doing things. Mm, this yeah. is the wedding photography. Wedding photography, event photography, promo videography, theatre stuff, that sort of thing. Excellent. Yeah. Anywhere people can go to find it, if should they wish. <laughs> DavidCoxMedia.com. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I can recommend he takes a good photo. You've Thank never you. seen Wreck-It Ralph. I have not. And also, wow, 2012? Yeah. That was like more than a president ago. And yeah. also prime ministers. I mean, we've gone through a few. <laughs> that's, like, so that's like three or four prime that's ministers. That's like at ago. least <laughs> eight prime ministers. Yeah. Yeah. Who is it now? Is it... Binky Bill? Like, who, who is it? Um, uh, look, I want to say, I want to say his name is Daryl. I yeah. want to say that. Daryl Summers. Daryl Summers is our Prime Minister as of last week, so... All right, and joining us as our political correspondent, we have Kate Willoughby. Hello! Yes, politics is not my game or my name. It's N- Kate, me, hello. And Kate, you have seen Wreck-It Ralph. I have actually watched it in the cinema. Oh, uh, yeah. So back in 2012, when yes. um, you were you were, I was university. in my second year at university mm-hmm. when this movie came out. Wow. Yeah. I was in my sixth, but we'll move on from that, <laughs> <laughs> especially because Nerd, because someone. I'm still there. Uh, so Wreck It Ralph. Yes. Um, did Did you enjoy it? I suppose in sort of like a vague, non spoilery sort of way. What What can? Because I also haven't seen it. Mm. So what What can David and I expect from this film? Um, What was really good about it is that if you think you're watching a movie and it's like, it's a movie about video games and maybe the first thing you think of is that crappy Adam Sandler movie. Oh, Pixel? Yeah, Pixel and all that kind of stuff where Mm. it's like, oh, it's video games and it's just a bunch of references and stuff. It's not like that. It's actually a really interesting story. So with references, so if you know video games, then you'll, uh, you know, in arcade games, I think you'll appreciate it. Um, but as someone who's not a big gamer myself, I really liked the story. It had some good um, comedy moments. Um, so I thought it was really fun. I was expecting it to be crap when I went into the cinemas mm. and I was very pleasantly surprised um, that I will probably go and watch the sequel in the cinema. Okay. Yeah. Cool. David, are you much of a video gamer? 
I love Pokemon to death. Mm-hmm. And I and like I bought a 3DS to play Pokemon. I will probably buy a Switch to play Pokemon. Mm. Anything else? Nah. Okay. But you've got your sort of specific yes, thing. Yes. I have my specific fixation in video games. Okay. I have heard of other video games. I have sometimes played video games. A friend of mine was like really into Mass Effect. And she was just like, oh, no one I know has played it. Like, because she has very few friends. Um that's because she she plays video games like a nerd she's a very very introverted individual Mm. um so it's good we just avoid people um anyway um so i decided to start playing the trilogy Mm. um back when it was just a trilogy and uh it had that was so many years ago Mm. i'm estimating it's more than three years ago and i am I think halfway through number three at this point. This okay. is this is this is my concerned. Uh, this is my actual effort to play a video game that is not Pokemon. Pokemon. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, can I just say um, you've pretty much, as, as someone who absolutely loved Mass Effect or at least that original <laughs> trilogy, you're about to hit the point that made a lot of people very cross because that was the <laughs> end of Mass Effect Three, which also was around 2012, made some people very angry. Was it that long ago? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, there, lots of they do make references to. There is, I won't give. It's not. Mm. A, I won't give like a spoiler, but you do meet a character that's very much like people that know their Call of Duty, their Mass Effect. They sort of have a character, a video game character that's sort of like they've got a really good. Um, they'll have like the traditional sort of shooting games that were very popular in 2012 mm. um, and before that. Then they've got the old arcade games. It's like you're watching different generations of. And we've got games characters which are archetypes of those different genres. Yeah, so right. you're going to be like an archetype of that genre while okay. also meeting some characters that they got trademarks to actually use. Oh, lovely. Um, but what's really cool is at the end of the day, it's a story about like um, uh, your identity and do you have freedom of choice of who you want to be. Well, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. I, I guess, shall we get into some Wreck-It Ralph? Let's do it. Let's press start. Yeah. Let's get our... Game characters on. They're called avatars. Yeah. Yeah, I play video games. <laughs> all right. Well, for those of you listening at home, pop in your DVDs and remember that all your base are belong to us as we prepare to watch Wreck It Ralph. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's AtlantisRadioPlay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Wreck-It Ralph. And joining me as they were in the first half of the program, we have Kate Willoughby. Hello. And David Cox. Hello. David, that was your first time watching Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, what were your impressions of the film? What, what, what did you think of it? I loved it. This is the this is the best film that we've watched on this podcast. Mm. 
Um, well, that I've watched on this podcast. You've watched lots of movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so good. I was thinking by the end, I'm like, this is some like Pixar level stuff. Mm. And of course, executive producer John Lasseter in the credits. Um, yeah, I loved it. It's, I'll it's be honest. Sweet. I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Uh, I was... I, I always I always notice because I take notes for for all of these films for the listener at home and I'm there doing dot points so I can keep track of the plot and I found myself remembering oh, I have to write something down and getting annoyed because I wanted to just be fully engrossed in the film um, so that's always a good sign I think and it is sweet and it's really lovely it's and you know it's it it, it, it I mean it is a Disney film it's that sort of thing that we we should be expecting but it definitely has that that sort of modern Pixar touch to it uh, with, with having Lasseter as the executive that sort of, I think they got the best of both of those worlds um, and it's it's fun it's a really fun film uh, Kate, when did you last see this film? Would it have been in the cinema? It was in the cinema 2012 yeah. so, so how was it um, six years on? Six years on um, like I still enjoyed it but I, I think it's one of those weird things like watching it again after already seeing it, there were times where I was enjoying it but I felt a little bored Okay. So that was weird. Like I enjoyed watching it, but there was times where I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So you know what's going to happen? Because I know what's sort of going to happen. Um, I mean, I still I got a little bit emotional when Wreck-It Ralph was um going to the bottom and he was doing like a callback to the "I am bad and that is mm. good" type of speech. I got like a little bit like, "Oh, that's so sweet," because they had the right music and the right you know sort of thing. Um, mm. That felt very Pixar ish. That little section there. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I enjoyed it, but not as much. I remember when I left the cinema having the same reaction as you two guys, mm. but now watching it again, less so. So, so what you're saying is we should never watch this film again and hold on to this film. Yeah, go in and watch the sequel. I think it maybe I think it's a movie that uh, it's not a movie that I would want to watch again and again and again. I think okay. it's like a good watch it once, you enjoy it, and then yeah. Okay, because it's it's the sort of film that um, I, I feel as though would be on high rotation. In a house with with young children. Yes, definitely. Uh, and it's it's I've I've um, been been doing some babysitting with some nieces and nephews over the last couple of years, and so I've caught up with a lot of the films that I've missed. Things like Big Hero Six and Zootopia. Yeah. I've experienced in the uh, with the sort of lower end of their intended audience, that sort of like um, three to six year old age yeah. range. Um, and this this film feels right up there with with the best of those films which I've seen in the last few years. Um, and it's it's just lovely, like you say, David. Yes. It's 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 sweet. I mean, it's quite literally sweet, uh, considering we spend half the Saccharin. film, in, yeah, in sugar rush. And my teeth felt like they were hurting just just watching them <laughs> walk around <laughs> that environment. Uh, but but it is lovely. I mean, we start off um, with with Ralph introducing himself, introducing himself, and you've got obviously John C. Riley just. I, I just he's such a good actor. Mm. Um, and it's it's I knew it was obviously going to be him going into the film. But he he just he just does a really good job of, of sort of giving um a really believable voice to this this video game villain who's just tired. He's just sick of it and he's just he's essentially having like a midlife crisis almost, going, I just don't want to be the bad guy anymore. I, and and he sort of has every right to because his his community around him, the the nice Landians, are horrible to him really. Yeah. I know they're really mean. Like, and that's the thing. It's sort of, it's like his, it's his job. And when you get to the section of the movie where they get put out of order because Wreck-It Ralph isn't there, like, it's yeah, it's called Fix It, Felix. But like, 
without Wreck-It Ralph and without Felix, you've got no game. Mm. Like, so it's sort of like, it's weird, like, taking your hatred home with you after work. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, it's just a game. I feel like, um, like, like a good family movie appeals to both, like, the children and has a few things for the adults. Mm. And I feel like this is, like, it's not just like, hey, adults can enjoy this. This feels very geared towards, like, you're a new dad. Mm. This is the transition period in your life. This is a movie that you're going to have to take your first daughter to. Ta-da. That's a really good, yeah. good point. I haven't thought Ralph of Ralph is, like, he's like a metaphor for fatherhood. Mm. He's been do- he's like 30 years old. He's been doing the same thing, playing video games, doing this job that has like dulled him to like tears. And then a small girl appears in his life. And he's like, oh, how do I deal with this? Mm. How do I be like a good role model? And she very quickly becomes the most important thing in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, med- um, metaphors. Own <laughs> David Cox. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. yeah. But um, also like she is like a five, six, seven. I don't know how old she is meant to be, but she is like already She's a little tiny, girl as yeah. opposed to like a baby. So you could, if you want to take it a little bit further, that Wreck-It Ralph is the stepfather in this situation. <laughs> he has to come into this new, like this new household mm. or like new realm, literally or like a, a different video game yeah. and aesthetic and be like, how do I adapt to my new surroundings? And then like an, integrate into someone else's life. And it's, it's, um, it, it's a good point that you raise. And it's also one that's reflective of, I feel the last few years of um, the the sort of triple A rated video games single player experiences, where you have things like The Last of Us, where you've you've got so many people who've worked in video games for twenty thirty years that have started having children and having these lives that they've started incorporating younger characters that are like characters that the protagonist is helping raise or look after into their game. So things like The Last of Us, where mm. Joel is is given this this young girl named Ellie who's like 13 that he has to try and get from point A to point B in this really hazardous post-apocalyptic world. Uh, the most recent God of War is you know Kratos, who the first three games has just spent ripping off Greek gods' heads. Now as a son that he's raising in like Viking mythos and he's teaching him how to hunt. I think it's interesting that that maturity you know that sort of getting older those sorts of stories which are now happening more and more in video games themselves was reflected in this video game movie too yeah well i mean that's because those video game developers yeah were becoming dads and growing up and were like i think for god of war he was the guy was just like oh wow like i'm creating this violence sort of thing of like angry young men because that's Mm. what i was and now there's a whole world of video games where my son's being raised in this aggression. Like, everything's mm. very angry. And he's like, oh. Same with, I think, Rekobuff does say that. He's like, why are all these games so angry now? Like, he was an <laughs> arcade game. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, shooting stuff in, um, mm. which is um, Hero. Hero's Duty. Hero's Duty. Yeah, Duty. Yeah. They take it, which is obviously Call of Duty meets... You can very see the... Starcraft. Star, yeah. yeah. No, I, no, no uh, Gears of War has bugs doesn't it um quite a few i was getting mass effect vibes when yeah. all the eggs were starting to glow underneath the candy and kingdom the helmets as well yeah it's 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 an it's an amalgam of about 20 different things there's doom references it's alien yeah, yeah it's it's and i really thought that yeah considering that they they didn't really have or use those sort of licensed properties that much i was expecting much more they were really only in the sort of game central station area where yeah. you had like cubit who was knocking around 
uh, you had Sonic on the um, the advertising yeah. things, just telling you don't die in someone else's game, or you, that's it, you don't regenerate. Um, I really liked that they they essentially boiled down a lot of these different games to their basic essences, so that you had Sergeant Calhoun, who was you know that sort of tough military commander with the um, tragic backstory yeah, yeah. Uh, the tragic backstory was hilarious <laughs> yeah that was just so but one picked. day she didn't do a perimeter check her wedding, wedding day, day. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's really good and like i think fix it felix is is pretty good as well it, it's mm. it's interesting that this film for a long time doesn't seem to be presenting a real villain you get a lot of everyone's yeah. perspectives like even king candy who is the villain yeah when he's speaking to ralph and saying we can't let even that's a lie you know you, i i sort of believed that uh because of the way it was presented it was a little unsure but i believed that when he was saying vanellope is a glitch and if she's glitching in the game then that means our game will get taken away i mm. was you know it was like everyone had these different perspectives that was being presented and i thought I really enjoy it when when there isn't that clear villain from the off. Yeah. Um, and, and, and of course, eventually it does turn out to be a big villain and you can still have that sort of fun. But it was, yeah, yeah it was... I re- mean, the good giveaway was his, um, the Wizard of Oz references mm. with um, with his... Uh, Oreo. Oreo. Yeah. yeah, as he's like things. Um, so like when I first watched the movie, I was like, oh, that's a fun little reference. But that mm. was the Wicked Witch of the West. And then all of a sudden it's like... That's the bad guy. Yeah, like, but the connection I made was with the wizard, who is yeah. like trying to set themselves up to be all powerful, but really isn't. Yeah, and I suppose it's an amalgam of those two in King Candy. Yeah. Who um, Alan Tudyk is wonderful. He's amazing. Mm. Yeah, he's such a great voice actor. Yeah, just I just love the the very thinly voice that he does. <laughs> that thought of it reminded ooh. me of that actor. He was in um, Mary think, Poppins. Yes, yeah. and um, and Alice in Wonderland, the Mad yes. Hatter. It, it is actually based off that performance. Yeah. Is what Alan Tudyk did, um, and it's. I, I just really thought that was absolutely pitch perfect for a king of a candy kingdom. Uh, <laughs> it was just absolutely delightful. Yeah. Um, so obviously Ralph gets gets sick of of his his position in life and we see him go to that first person shooter game and, and get all involved and gets messed up and then goes to sugar rush and i honestly was expecting us to move on from sugar rush to like a third locale and we didn't uh, we we ended up spending pretty much the rest of the film in the sugar rush game uh i thought uh, i don't know how you felt david i actually felt they got quite a lot out of what was a very simple concept for a setting yeah it's just like this is hyper colorful it's sweet this is exactly what children would want mm. um but like i was thinking more like the aesthetics on the on like a grander level like when we think about video games a lot of like i'm not a particular gamer but we have this cultural Concept. understanding of of these arcade games this is sort of something that has permeated into our cultural con- uh, conscience mm. um, so much so that it is nostalgic even though we never had that mm. um, yeah. and so we were like previously when we were talking about like people like growing up and adding like their children uh, concepts of fatherhood into video games it's not just like that that we're re- like seeing as people grow up from their original developers it's like this movie is like a time capsule of where we are now in media in an an evolving media like we cannot we couldn't have had record ralph 10 years ago 
or we couldn't have had Red- Wreck-It Ralph like 20 years in the future. Because eventually, all the people that grew up with those arcade games mm. are going to like start becoming grandparents or like they're just not going to be that relevant. And like that mm. whole, like let's appeal to the nostalgia of this like cultural time period just won't be appealing anymore until someone like even a couple decades further does the same thing that we do with silent movies. Right. And they're like, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if, like, we brought Pac-Man back because, like, my granddad remembers that. <laughs> so, you're, so it's almost like um, what what's going to happen is that 10 years from now, we won't have a Wreck-It Ralph film. We will have some sort of, like, thing that's set in an Overwatch or PUBG yeah. <laughs> menu where it's like, we're just waiting for 40 players, guys. Yeah. Um, was it, what was that? Um that recent Steven Spielberg film. Oh, um, uh, Ready Player One. Yes. That looked stupid. <laughs> I haven't watched it. The trailer looked terrible and the reviews seemed pretty dodgy. Well, and... Jason Dolly, who is a regular on this show, uh, has seen Ready Player One. We were discussing it recently when we did uh, we did Who Framed Roger Rabbit and we yeah. were discussing having uh, characters from Disney and Warner Brothers together and he was talking about um, having characters from all these different video game properties appearing in Ready Player One, but how, unlike this film, where they really boiled down the different game concepts to a really interesting uh, sort of representation of the different games, it was literally just a case of, oh, look, uh, Boba Fett and Harley Quinn are walking down the street, I think was an example he used, and it was just like in a one-shot thing, but that film was literally littered with so many of these references, but very few of them were actually relevant to the story. Yeah. So that's what I was semi-expecting because I didn't mm. actually know anything about Wreck-It Ralph except for this vague understanding that there's there will be pop culture references in it mm. to like previous video games and then you're like oh no they bought it down like oh okay and yeah watching it it isn't like this big like <laughs> reference <laughs> you remember that you mm. remember that um which is I think the closest I had was like um when he was at his bad guy meeting and Sonic doing the chat thing so like yeah. seeing seeing dr robotnik there but he doesn't speak he's just it makes sense he would be in a villain support group yeah um and yeah similarly a lot of it was incidental when when um the escape pod is flying through the grand central terminal and yeah. he knocks sonic and all the rings fall out and it makes the noise um that's it's incidental but it's the sort of thing we can go huh um, even the use of Cuba, the way they, in, where he had his conversation with Fixit Felix, where he tries to speak uh, Cubatese. Yeah. It's using something that people go, huh, but in a way that actually serves the story. Yeah. And I think it's it's really good at that. I think that was sort of the point, And I think that was one of the issues, what they liked about one, they couldn't get a lot of rights for video games. Is mm. Their biggest one is that they said they wanted to make a movie that would be, even though it's dated because it's based on the idea of arcade games, that it would be timeless because it would be its own story. It yeah. wouldn't be based on like knowledge of these specific knowledge properties. of these. So like if you, that's why for me, not a big gamer. Like I knew who Sonic was when I saw Sonic in the background, and I know Street Fighter because I played that a bit as a kid. Hmm. But there could probably be other game characters like in that villain circle. Yeah. That I wouldn't know, hmm. but I understand the concept of there's always a bad guy in video games. There's always a bad guy in movies and stuff, but the their characters are so well done and they utilize archetypes that you see in like Time Zone or any game arcades hmm. that you will understand. Like, um, But that's why I'm interested for Record Wolf 2 because it is based on the internet, which will look at more modern games, like f- for games playing 
on your phone, like mm. players being online and stuff like that. So it'd be really yeah. interesting. And the fact it's called Ralph Breaks the Internet yeah. is quite... Uh, well, one, it's obviously funny with the you know use of the breaking the internet sort of phrase, uh, I guess, but also the idea of like introducing this character who fundamentally is just a destroyer yeah. um, and how that, that gets utilised. And I, I, I really enjoyed how that was used in this in this um film how and you know as you said going into it kate that it was a, it was a film about identity and it's interesting how ralph was sort of pushing against different identities but realizing that he is a, a wrecker he is wreck it ralph and that you know there are sides of, of his character that he needs to embrace he doesn't need to change everything mm. uh, and similarly everything was solved by him working with Felix and working with Vanellope um, and, you know, all realising their own special traits and how they ultimately made made everything work, I thought was, it was it was quite nice. It was quite a nice positive message. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that stood out for me from this film was the romance between Fix-It Felix yeah. and Sergeant Calhoun. So random, I loved it. Yeah, David, did with that romance, um, how, how did you... Re- how did how did that make you feel? I guess, um, deep down in my heart, that I thought it was fun. It was fun, but but I think similarly to what Kate just said, um, quite quite random. Uh, well, I mean, I, like halfway through, I was thinking, oh, good, there's no romance in this film because like romance is just like this very constant, ever present thing in in movies. It's mm. like there's going to be a romantic subplot. Oh, there's a male and female character like, by the end shove them together mm. um and so in my writing i never uh, never approach romance i'm like no one likes each other except for like platonically um but yeah also like in my mind i was thinking this is kind of like shrek you have this like i'm alone i'm big i break things mm. i live in a, in a in a place that no one wants to be in, in a, like swamp a swamp slash dump dump yeah and now i am forced through like circumstances outside of my control to deal with this annoying sidekick hmm. um donkey or uh vanellope um and then I, and then it's like but he doesn't have like a romance he doesn't have a fiona well no that gets given to felix yeah that gets given to felix yeah which um, I, I actually think is a nice way of fattening out that character who is yeah. essentially just someone who is Has literally it. a deus ex machina. He literally just fixes things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that was actually quite nice, giving this sort of like wholesome goody two shoes and pairing them up with, well, essentially with Jane Lynch. I don't think she's <laughs> acting in this film. Like, yeah. I, I think given everything she does, that's just Jane Lynch. It's an amazing Jane Lynch meets, um, was it, there's a gang character where you have like John Shepard or whatever, but you can have a female version. Oh yeah, Commander Shepard. Commander Shepard, yeah. Mm. I just feel like that's just... Jane Lynch meets Commander Shepard. Well, if, if yeah. Commander Shepard's a paragon. Mass Effect reference. All right, moving on. There'll be like six people at home going, yeah, stop talking about Mass Effect. Okay. I get that. Yes. In my, in my like very minimal Mass Effect play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I, I thought it was quite nice. And it I, I did like that the focus was more on this, um, this friendship. Like it, it, it does end with... Ralph essentially saying, "I've got a friend here now. I don't need to to leave my my home." Um, you know, I've made this connection with Felix, and presumably the Icelandians are going to be nice to him, and they are. Uh, but, but I I did like that he made friends with with Vanellope and and helped her as well. Um, and the utilization of of the glitch, mm. um, which I thought was 
was really interesting um, throughout the film, how, how that glitching was used. Uh, it was... Yeah, it's it's just a really lovely story. Yeah, yeah, it's a really sweet story and and funny and a lot of puns and a lot of adult, you know, like the sort of Pixar was always very good at doing the jokes that only mm. grown-ups will get yeah. and have a little bit of a chuckle. Like going through the lost and found and finding that underwear and they're in a pub mm. and you're like... Mate, that guy definitely stripped at this pub. Like, that's pretty gross. <laughs> I just like when he stole the soldier's underwear. Uh, the, sol- the soldier's armor. The soldier was yeah. wearing the uh, yeah, he Zangief threw the underwear, underwear on him. And I was like, okay, that's that's something that I'm glad we didn't see, I guess. <laughs> but then that also must indicate that the soldier was completely butt naked mm. underneath everything. That's combat armor. Showing off his molasses. Yeah. <laughs> there was some fantastic There's, wordplay in this. Yeah, good wordplay, which yeah. I know you're... Uh... Big fan of. Oh, I certainly am. I just love King Candy. It's okay. She only glazed me. <laughs> oh, dear. I want to know how much of that was scripted. Well, we, we, we've got some trivia here that actually relates to that. Ooh. So would you guys like to hear some trivia about Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. Trivia. Unlike most animated films, the principal actors regularly recorded audio together in the same room, which led to improvising. I mean, you consider that it's John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman, who I, we haven't actually touched on the fact that Sarah Silverman is Vanellope. Yeah. And she's really good. She is really, really good. And also, I feel like this is the most PG-rated thing that she's ever done in her career. Mm. Um, I definitely think them name-calling each other, um, like, you know, Sergeant Poop Face, whatever. April Underpants. Yeah, that was definitely them riffing. Mm. Um like PG stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah Sarah Silverman, she's got a dirty, mm. dirty mouth. So it was very funny realising that she was playing this, like, little girl. Mm. Yeah. But she did a really good job. She did. Mm. Yeah. And I just can imagine five-year-old girls everywhere just imitating that and mm. calling people stink brains. Mm. Major body odour. Which... Calling calling, uh, calling their stepdad stink brains. It's yeah. like, my name's Brian, okay? No, it's stink brain. <laughs> yeah, and also making duty jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Hero duty mm. Admittedly that is a top quality duty joke um, The bartender which appears in the film Tapper um, Is actually controversial In real life So Tapper was a game that was released in 1983 I assumed it was an actual It game, was yeah. a bartender serving mugs of Budweiser beer The game was, introdu- was intended For adults and to be Played in real life bars because obviously a lot of bars in the eighties had arcade machines. So it was like, oh, you're in a bar, have a bar themed game. But it did make its way into kid friendly arcades where <laughs> parents became upset at the content. Consequently, Bally Midway recreated a near identical version called Root Beer Tapper, where a soda jerk character uh, is there instead of a bartender. Um, the version that is in Wreck It Ralph is a combination of the original and the adapted character. Oh, nice. nice. Mm. I liked that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah, it was just Tapper. It was like, oh, great. Nice to see that. Early in production, it was considered to keep all the characters in their native graphic quality. So oh. Ralph would have looked 8-bit the entire time. Now, you're both making a face like, oh. that probably wouldn't have worked. That's probably why they didn't do it. And maybe in the credit scenes, went through different types of mm. things. They yeah. ultimately chose not to do that because they felt it would just too difficult to make Ralph a sympathetic, lovable character. Because you do need to be able to see those incredible animations of the emotion. Like like when he's smashing the car, mm. it's really heartbreaking. Because yeah. it's like you know that 
he's trying to do the good thing and then she says you really are a bad guy and it's like yeah, my emotions feelings. yeah <laughs> yeah and it's you you couldn't have really done that as effectively with the 8-bit realm mm. so i think that was that was probably a good choice uh disney first began developing an animated film about the world of video games in the 1980s david so this feeds into your point of it not working um in, in those time periods not tron <laughs> Tron is one, yes, but uh, they were developing a film that at that time was called High Score, um, and then eventually Joe Jump. So they, they had this idea of doing something that was set in the arcade realm that isn't Tron, uh, but more like Wreck-It Ralph. Um, in the 2000s, when the movie was finally pushed forward, the first two months of the story development focused on Fix-It Felix as the main character. And then, like, Wreck-It Ralph would have been, like, the bad guy. Potentially. It's much more interesting having Ralph as the protagonist, though. Yeah. Because, you know, it is that whole thing of, like... It's it's that sort of redeemed anti-hero story, which we generally do find interesting as audiences. Yeah. Well, I think the 80s, it would have been very Little Mermaid-esque. Like, a whole, like, I want to be with me, other arcade. Like, it would have, <laughs> like... It probably would have been a story about Felix feeling like that there's more he could do than just fix things like i want to see what else is out there like more of a ooh. well i think i wish i could dig yeah probably would have been something like (laughs) then he goes to dig dug and just (laughs) plays that for an hour yeah but um yeah well i think wreck it ralph or like he's a little hero that no one really cares about like he's not one of the big games but he helps you know, like it would have been something like along those lines, very yeah. much what the 80s Disney would have been about. While I think now, because of Shrek, definitely because of Shrek, <laughs> yeah. that kind of storyline of the anti-hero became very popular. Yeah, things like that. Mega Mind is another one that pops mm-hmm. to mind to, of having those those characters that are meant to be the villains, but they're actually all right, sort of. Uh, Despicable Me. Yeah, Despicable Me. Yeah, Despicable Me. Yeah, like it's it definitely is something that we've seen a lot more of because of Shrek. Yeah. Thank you, Shrek. Thank you, Shrek. Oh, thank you, Shrek. Um, <laughs> praise be to our... our... <laughs> praise be to Shrek. Which also, fairy tales. Hmm. So you have Wreck-It Ralph, which is video games, and Shrek, which is fairy tales. So Yeah. Director Richard Moore was inspired to create the character of Vanellope after reading the memoir, The Bedwetter, Stories of Courage, Redemption, and Pee, by Sarah Silverman. Oh. So he based that character on Sarah Silverman and then cast her in the film. Oh, that's cool. What if she had said no? Would have been awkward, but I'm sure <laughs> they could have found somebody. Yeah. But I mean, he probably went, just so you know, I read your memoir and then made a character based on your memoir. So I don't think any actor would, uh, comedian slash actor would turn down a paid Disney voice gig. Yeah. Like, nobody would be like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think it's one of those jobs where you're like, ka-ching, yes, I will, I will do this job. Like, I, I imagine there possibly may have been one or two, but I'm going to side with you and say that it is more than likely that if if you get the call from the mouse, you, 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 probably, you, you probably do respond. Yeah. Nobody says no to the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to Alan Tudyk, his agent told the casting director he could do an impression of Ed Wynn. Uh, who is that Mad Hatter voice, uh, which he was mimicking whilst playing King Candy. Um, but his agent didn't actually know if he could or not and didn't ask him before telling this casting director, yeah, Alan can do it. Um, so, yeah, that that would have been a fun one. 
But I mean, he's a very versatile voice actor. He like went to Juilliard. Yeah, and yeah. you know, you see his work on things like Moana. Moana, yeah, play, playing um, <laughs> Hey Hey, the the chicken. It's just I love that he was the chicken. Well, when the credits went and I saw his name, I was like, mm. what? Like I, I I think was this the first movie? Because then it was um. Then it was Frozen. Then Frozen. Now um, Moana. So Zootopia. And Zootopia. So obviously his work in Wreck-It Ralph must have been... They must have really liked him. Yeah. To, they keep asking him to come back. Yeah. So. And he's you know, doing a great job. Wesselton. Anyway. Uh, and finally, the animators at Disney had spent their entire careers learning to animate people in motion so that they moved very fluidly. When they were animating the characters from Fix-It Felix, moving in an 8-bit style, they had to unlearn everything that oh. they did for the for the nice Slandians. For the, yeah, because they were very video game Yeah, movies. just jit, 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 jit. Like when um, Glenn's pouring the drink. Yeah. It's just this lovely stop-start sort of style. I mm. love that aesthetic so much. And mm. I love that that was an, another way to show the different types of characters. So, like, they were very, like, jilted. Um, and then you would go to like Heroes Duty where they were like more flowing and like mm. like the first gamer. So it was very like more cinematic. So they were able to show the different types of gaming without the quality being. And also like their costumes were a lot simpler. So like he just had like the overalls and the hat, very, you know, Mario, very simple sort of thing. And then you go to like um, Heroes Duty where it's like full on armor with like more detail, like of what they've got on. So mm. they were able to show the different types of games without yeah you losing the quality of images and stuff yeah i mean it's it, it is just really really lovely what they did uh just looking up the rest of alan tudyk's voice career yeah, in 2012 he was also in ice age continental drift which is one of the highest grossing animated series yeah ice age it was a great movie yeah great i mean movie. that's also because there's like five or six of them as mm. opposed to like yeah uh, other... two or three yeah. Top quality ones. <laughs> um, Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked in 2011. Oh. Iconic. <laughs> Look, he needs some money. All right. Like, there's somewhere you're just like. Astro Boy in 2009. Yep. No, that, that would have been an artistic choice. Who was he in Astro Boy? Uh, in Astro Boy, he was Mr. Squeegee, Scrap, Head, Scrap Heap Head, and Stinger 2. Love it. We've, can we have that on this podcast? He has machine guns in his butt. <laughs> well, it's turning ten next year, so we'll we'll consider so it. Okay, It'll be one sweet. of our potential well, anniversaries. Mickey Mouse is ninety this year, so oh. the OG mm. Mickey Mouse, and of course, years old. Uh, the, the 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 main voice acting that he did, although it was also performance capture, was um, Sonny in iRobot from two thousand four. What? That was yeah, him. Yeah, that's Alan Tudyk. Man, he's so oh. talented. Yeah, I just always knew him as the guy from Death at a Funeral, mm. which. Alan, Firefly. Yeah, well, I know, but I'd watched Death of Funeral first, and yeah. then during an interview, people meant he was talking about his career, and then he said, "Oh, you're quite well known for Firefly," and he's like, "Yeah, unless it's in Australia, then it's Death at a Funeral." I don't know why, but that movie did really well, like in the cinema, and every Australian that meets me knows me from Death at a Funeral. He's like, Australians love that movie, and. He doesn't know why. It did better than in England. Like, it was just... Everyone was like, this is great. Mm. It was really weird. I grew up watching it. I'm in love with that movie. I think it's amazing. And I always know him as the guy naked from mm. Death at a Funeral. Uh -huh. It's a brilliant, 
brilliant movie. So we're adding Astro Boy and Death at a Funeral to yes. the roster. Films. I think it's a great movie. Okay. I, I mean, don't. Yeah. I don't I... understand why they tried to do an American one. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I remember Ugh. that. I saw that in the I cinemas watched the now. First, I watched the first five minutes and it was terrible. They did the whole, that's not my dad because he was Asian and the family's African-American. And I'm like, I was just like, okay, cool. And the, the coffin, I don't know, American humor. The point is, yeah. Alan Tudyk was very good as King Candy. I think that's... Yes. yes. <laughs> and he's very good in general. In general, So, yes, yes now we know him. From this film, and we should probably score this film, guys. Okay. So, David, that was your first time watching Wreck-It Ralph. What score are you giving it out of 10? I'm giving it um, 8 Alan Tudyks out of 10. Uh, Kate, what would you give this film out of 10? I, You know, I really enjoyed it the first time I watched it. I enjoyed it less the second time I watched it. So, I would say, you know, 6.5 to Six and a half to seven. Like, I think it's a good movie. I'm more interested to see now what the sequel would be like mm. um, because it had such a wholesome feel to it. They didn't have a lot of rights for what video games they could use. So they really had to rely on story. Story. Um, well, this time, a lot of their advertisement has been the Disney princesses. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's right. So because she's a princess. So she's meeting the other that makes sense. princesses. So it'll be interesting to see how much they rely now on bumping into pop culture to pop culture compared mm. to what the arcade was about the world of the arcade gaming and maybe seeing what the world of the internet would be um, better than... I've never watched Emoji Movie, but I feel like that was the general vibe of Emoji Movie was them in like a mm. phone world slash internet world. Have you watched it? No, but I have. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I've heard about it. Is it's just like yeah. pop culture reference. Bam. bam. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping Poop that joke. it's better than that. But I'll go, I'll still go in the movie and watch mm. it like I did with Wreck It Ralph too because the first time viewing, solid. I think if I watched it the first time, I'd be giving it the same rating as mm. you, um, David. And it, I think it just goes down. I don't think it's a rewatchable movie for an adult. For okay. a kid, sure, definitely. Excellent. For me, um, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same boat as David. I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a lovely, wholesome message. Uh, it's got loads of fun wordplay jokes, so that's always going to help when when I'm scoring it. Uh, I, I think it's it's really lovely, and if you haven't seen it, I, I'd definitely say go watch oh, it. I'd, I'd recommend watching yeah, it if you've never seen I'd it. I'd highly recommend it. So Especially if you're a stepdad? Especially if you're a stepdad. <laughs> I, can I just say, I loved your reading into it. I had never thought of looking into it as like a as like a father-daughter childhood raising movie. That mm. wasn't even an interpretation that went across my mind. So mm. thank you for that. That was nice. Yeah, I'm going to give it um, eight very rapidly explained tragic backstories out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Can we all think of a really tragic backstory, like for us? Like what would be if we had like a, a video game tragic backstory? Um, it, I suppose it depends. I mean, I, well, I, I obviously used to live in England and now mm-hmm. I live here. So let's assume it's because after Brexit and the nation sank into the ocean, he was forced to live in a former penal colony. <laughs> that, would, that would be mine. <laughs> okay, David, what would be yours? Uh... Come on, you're like Pokemon Go. What would be a poke, Pokemon tragic backstory? Um, Why do you got to catch them all? Uh, Why, David? Uh, <laughs> there is actually, oh, you should look it up. There's a really interesting fan theory that the original Pokemon games are set in a post-war world um, because none of the, none of the protagonists, um, except for Gen 3, have a dad. 
um, and like one of the electric gym leader is like a lieutenant. And so there's like, oh, like half the nation has gone to war. And that's why you don't have a dad because he's dead. Let's be real. Anything based around Japan, it's all war related. All mm. right. A lot of their movies are like uh, re- reflections of, you know, some stuff that went down. Yeah. There, there is a reason that Japan brought us Godzilla. Yes. Uh, yes. And America has Spider-Man. All right. Different. <laughs> like different like effects with nuclear weapons. All mm. right. Yeah. What would be your tragic backstory, Kate? Um, well. Is it just that you came from Kalgoorlie? Is that it? Uh, yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> was going to say like it might be Kalgoorlie related, but like something, you know, treacherous came out of like the super pit, mm. like a very like bug-like, you know. A like, cyborg. Yeah, a cyborg or mm. a gold bug, you know. Um, <laughs> and Godzilla in the, in Godzilla. the new movies. Yeah. <laughs> they dig really deep. And they're like, they dig, yeah. They it. go in too deep and like you think it's like a, a tremor from an explosion, but it's a tremor of a monster that lives in the deep. Um, yeah, and it's come out and destroyed the town. And so everyone to... that I knew and loved is dead. And now I have to defeat... The Tremor Beast or something, you know. There's some good tragic backstories. Yeah, I like it, guys. I like it. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of this episode. So, Kate and David, thank you very much for watching Wreck-It Ralph with me. Thank you for coming to my house and watching it. Thank you for finally giving me uh, an excuse to watch this lovely film. You're most welcome. And for those of you listening at home, we are available on Facebook. What do you mean available? Well, you can go there, you can send us messages, you can say, I think you guys should watch Astro Boy, please do, that sort of thing. Uh, Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. We're also available to download on iTunes and SoundCloud and other podcasting and podcatching services, so make sure you subscribe there. And, of course, there is the Patreon. If you want to become an official member of the club, just go to patreon.com forward slash ccucpodcast. But that is all for this week, so until next time, goodbye. Game over. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Check yourself before you wreck, wreck yourself. No. Check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck it, Ralph. Yourself is that is that what you're yeah. going for? Yeah. Yeah. See, with Patreon, you can get great conversations <laughs> like this. Like, oh, uh, yeah, wreck, yeah, wreck it. <laughs> you you wreck it. You buy it. This oh. is this is definitely going at the end of the episode as our advert for the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. Give us money. <laughs> give us your loose change, your quarters. Give us your quarters. Give us your yes! quarters. Give us your quarters to play those sweet, sweet arcade games, or pay. What are the pay plays? F- free plays. You know the free games that you get on your phone. Uh, freemium. Freemium. Yeah. yeah, and then you think, oh, it's free. Yeah, you'll get an audible loot box every <laughs> yeah. every couple of months and of then, all the bonus content. Yeah, you got to pay for it.